forever. Dog. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, 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 and gentlemen. You are exactly where you're supposed to be right now. Kicking back, okay, listening to your favorite podcast, It's a Mess, with Caswell and what's her name? Say your name where you're from. Say your name where you're from. Say your <laughs> My name. My name is Peppermint. That's right. Let them know. <laughs> you're queen, darling. You're African queen. That's right. You're African queen, <laughs> sweetie. Get it in um, order. Hi. Hey, I love how on? sexy that started off. You know, I, I try sometimes. Thought yeah, I would start you, you, you achieve it. Speaking of sexy, I DJ'd the uh, straight up, it's not straight though, straight up gay porn summit at, um, where the fuck was I? Oh, it was at the W Hotel and Kathy Griffin mm-hmm. uh, had a question. Oh, I saw answer that. Series. Yeah, it's pretty major. Did you mention to her about our thing? Did you see her? No, you know, I, you know, no. I, that, that was in the plans. <laughs> that was in the plans. And then she got rushed in. And there was a question and answer thing. And I said to the mm-hmm. to David Dixon, who booked me, I'm like, look, can you please get me backstage so that I can talk to Kathy Griffin for 20 seconds? And he's like, you know, it's in her contract to get out of here as soon as she gets off stage. So I don't know. I'll try, Cass. I'll try. And I don't know how hard he tried, but it did not happen. So, but that's that's fine. She she actually looked really good. And she was, you know, she was she was great. I love her. Are I, you willing to? Are you willing to just send her a message on social and see if she? Well, the reason why I'm talking about this. Oh, now you're trying to bring a business on the podcast? No, no, it's now out to, now. It's out now. Okay, it's actually out now, and everyone. I mean, know I guess I could. I've never met her before. It might it work if like someone that like Oliver and Cox or somebody. We should tell them what we're talking magazine about. Hits her up besides Caswell. But sure, There's, I'll hit her up. <laughs> I wouldn't expect her to hit me back. But I guess we I should would. tell everyone what we're talking about. Anything for my African the, queen. No, we're, this is for your LGBT community. The We Are Here campaign has officially launched. And uh, those of you that have been following our social media will probably know that it's officially launched. And um, mm. and basically, you might have heard us talking a little bit about the uh, Title VII court cases that uh, were tr- were heard back in last year in the fall, well, the Supreme Court has yet to, yet to make a decision. And so we are mm. getting out the word, me, Caswell, and so many of our other other uh, influencer friends, uh, Leif Ashley, Sander Jennings, who is Jazz Jennings' brother. Jazz has recently joined. Um, who, who else? Natalie Wynn. Uh, I, 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 there's so many wonderful folks who've It's only growing. On. It's, it's only growing. growing. And growing. And it's, it's a big movement. We've actually started a movement. This is fantastic. So the hashtag is we are here. Basically, we're telling people to share and spread the word. And so you can check out on our social media. You can go there right now. Yes. Um, but basically, if you don't believe that any, that LGBT people or anyone should be fired just for who they are, then you probably support us and should repost all of our- Join uh, the fight. Join the fight. That we are here campaign hashtag we are here. We're trying to make it spread like wildfire, so spread it out. Anyway, so yeah, so hopefully we'll get Kathy Griffin on board. If you're friends with Kathy Griffin or Kathy, if you're listening, join that damn join our fight. I'm sure she's listening. <laughs> I'm sure she's listening. Uh, okay, so uh, this is an advice podcast. As much as we yes, as much as we always like seem to stall in the beginning of the show, it's an advice podcast. Folks have uh, mm. we have our listeners write in and. Um, tell us their deepest, darkest secrets, desires, fears, whatever's on your mind. We will talk about it. Sometimes they just want to know what's for dinner. So <laughs> Something, wait, sometimes they just want to know what's for dinner. Yes. <laughs> what should I cook for my boyfriend? It's our <laughs> two-year anniversary. I don't give a shit. <laughs> no, I, it's. I guess we have to kind of do this disclaimer every single week. But you know what? The more detail we're you trash. give us in your, que- <laughs> yeah, we're basically we're trash, and we can't do anything with your stuff. But we, the more the more detail you give us, the more we can try to help. The more we can make it look like we're helping. Okay. Yeah, exactly. And that's so exactly. we, we want to know if the you ladder. got if you if you if you lost your job, tell us how much you made at that job, where it was, how who who was your coworkers, and you know, tell us what you were wearing that day. Tell us the whole tea. We want all the tea. Your dorm. sign was the moon full <laughs> when you were born. Your bank account. Yeah. <laughs> the last four of your social. 
And every single week we have a theme. And so the theme this week is creative blocks, which is basically creative folks writing in, asking how they can get over that hump, that big old hump. (laughs) Before we get over that hump. It's time for, that's right, Caswell. Funny you should mention it. It's time for Exemplary Queens. This week... This week's Exemplary Queen, uh, Exemplary Queens is a, a section of the show where we celebrate the movers and shakers and tastemakers in and out of the LGBTQIA plus community. Uh, people who are doing great things. And so this week's Exemplary Queen is Ocean Vuong. <laughs> Ocean Vuong is a queer Vietnamese American poet, essayist, and novelist. And he's also the recipient of the 2014 Ruth Lilly Sargent Rosenberg Award, a Fellowship Award from the Poetry Foundation, a 2016 Whiting Award, and the 2017 T.S. Madison Elliott uh, Prize for, for his poetry. Um, and his debut novel, which just came out, I think, in May uh, of 2019, uh, On Earth, We Are Briefly Gorgeous, that's the title of it, uh, he talks about uh, t- turning queer desire into weather, which I think is a wonderful sort of uh, concept. And um, it was published in 2019, as I said. And here's some interesting quotes from from uh, Ocean Wong. <clears throat> they say, nothing lasts forever, but they're just scared it will last longer than they can love it. Mm. The most beautiful part of your body You once told me that the human eye is God's longliest creation. Because the sunset, like survival, exists only on the verge of its own disappearing. And so those are some quotes from some of Ocean Wong's writings. Make sure you check out uh, his newest creation on Earth. We are briefly gorgeous. And I really love that title. It's enough to make me want to read the book. Uh, of poetry. And so um, check out Ocean Wong. Thank you so much. All hail this week's exemplary Queen Ocean Wong. Give it up for Ocean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just like, just like Janet Jackson said in Poetic Justice, no matter who you are, no matter where you go, something like that, you will never be as important as the ocean. That's Thank true. You, ocean Wong. <sighs> All right, so as we said, this week's podcast is themed around the letters that i uh looked through and edited that wait. are all about <clears throat> wait i did this part okay you chose the exemplary queen don't get it twisted no and so i yes that's what happened uh so i got i we did get a lot of letters about like just you know people that reach out to us you know artist to artist and they wanted to figure out how we got through creative blocks or how we stay creative or how they stay different and think you know what i'm saying you know what i mean to permit you know you i know, do you know you know you know so I uh I, I chose three of them edited the fuck out of them some of y'all are really bad with grammar and don't know where to put periods, but I oh, you did the grammar, like but I did that. Yeah, <laughs> you did the grammar. Okay, Jar, like let's, let's be real. You, know you, you did the grammar. <laughs> okay, yeah, you did the grammar. <laughs> I might as well be wearing a MAGA hat the way my grammar is bad, but I would never do that. So um, I'm ready to read the first question. I'm not ready to read it. Hold on, we. I'm have reading to talk- the first question. You don't have to be ready for nothing. You have your Just- headphones on, right? Can I? Okay, so I want to talk about something real quick. We have to talk briefly about how we just started watching 60 Days In. We have to. We have to talk about it. Okay. Don't be. No, I know we do have to talk about it. I'm just like here for. uh, Yeah, okay. (laughs) Well, we just started watching it together, and I'm really excited because we haven't watched the show together in a long time, and I'm really down with it. Like, it looks like. Since Euphoria stopped. Yeah, since Euphoria stopped, which we know is season two. And I think they might have gotten some nominations recently. So hopefully, you know, it'll be. They'll come flying out of that anyway uh, 60 days in let's talk about this in. for a second because in case you don't know this show it's pretty intense and <laughs> there's eight idiots intense. there's what eight is the fools okay. that decide to go to prison for 60 days as fools moles to let us know how we goes what fools what? is the operative word fools yeah fools <laughs> they go to and they, all they of go these people in. always they go into jail <laughs> they choose to go to jail <laughs> To, they pre- choose to go to jail as moles to find out what's wrong with uh, the it's system. Not the prison system, it's a jail system. So <laughs> these idiots go into jail, and they're always guys with something to prove. Like one guy was the head of the football team. There's mm-hmm. always a Navy SEAL in there. There's always some like 
uh, military wife in there that wants to keep up with her husband. Like some story like that. You know, there's always some people that want to give back. Or like mm-hmm. last season, there was some lady that like her son was um, in prison and she wanted to know what he was going through. So she did it. But as soon as these people go through intake, they have this look on their face like, what? They start sweating. The fuck. <laughs> that I start getting into. <laughs> and all, I don't want to spoil it, but we're already we're, we're already like a couple of weeks past. So um, at the first, we won't go into this week's episode, but the first week's episode already, they started losing people. Uh, people were tapping out. They have a signal, a hand signal. You can tap your shoulder and, and get out. Honey, people were you put, tap your pledging shoulder, that allegiance. Like, oh, I got heartburn. <laughs> <laughs> people had heartburn. You would have thought they needed damn Rolaids up in there, honey. Some uh, Santa. Everyone's walking around like they give a <laughs> pledge of allegiance to the flag and shit. <laughs> No, but like this show is fucking crazy. But listen, I I would wait if anyone if anyone has a connection to this show. All I want to see on the oh show, all I want to see in the show is a gig. I don't need to see another. Oh. I, no offense, to nobody. I don't need to see another lesbian in in the women's penitentiary because that happens every single time. There's always like a and lesbian that one really situation. got into it, honey. She really yeah, enjoyed yeah, it. I know she's she fucking turned. spilled her tea to she the turned. wrong fucking felon. Anyway. That's last season. This season, I'd really like to see a gay guy go into prison and just, A, either see what it's like if there is a gay slash in a trans or I don't I don't know what the prison term is for it, but it's just alternative Ooh, lifestyle. Section or section. Ward. Some some jails have that, but I also would like to know like what it's like like because if if you're gay and you act gay and you can't help that you act gay and then you're in general population, mm-hmm. like what is that like? Like I would really like to see. I'd really like to see how that goes down. You know what I'd like to see? Really, I'd like to what? see the gay... Okay, this is crazy. I'd like to see the 60 days... I know what you want to see. You want to see the shower scene with all those No, darling. I want to see the 60 days in... 60 gays in... Where 60. it's like just the gay... <laughs> the gay portion <laughs> of the <jail>. <laughs> <And> <laughs> Don't you? I'm going to tweet that. I'm going to tweet that. I'm going to ask them... Can we see 60 gays in? Oh, Lord. Anyway, let's get into this. We'll we'll update okay. you next week on what happened next week. Our listeners are already fucking fast-forwarded this shit. <laughs> Whatever. I'm just doing this show so I can talk to you once a week because you do fucking busy, so... Question uh, number one. Are you ready, Peppermint? Cue music. Cue the music hey peppermint hey caswell congratulations on the show thank you i listen to you guys every week this is a topic you haven't really touched on much but i would like to hear your advice particularly from you peppermint so Uh i am a drag queen living in bushwick and i've been performing at clubs around new york city for about four and a half years i never get stage fright i feel confident on stage but i don't know what to do to take to take myself to the next level and really separate myself from the other queens. I think I might be having a little bit of an identity crisis. I'm not necessarily a comedy queen, even though I'm good on the mic. I'm not necessarily a lip sync assassin like you, Peppermint, LOL, but I do know my lip syncs down. I'm not a fashion queen, but I'm proud. I'm proud of the looks I put together. Well, oh, that doesn't um, really say that uh, much. <laughs> all, I'm not one to all in all, all in all, I think I'm doing my best. But I think I'm still coming across as mediocre to my audience. What can I do to take my drag up a notch and differentiate myself from other drag queens? I'm doing my best, but I still feel like I'm not reaching my full potential, and therefore must be doing something wrong. Please help! Signed, Miss J. Jolie Ginger Ale. <laughs> that that name. I love the names. Okay, so Miss J. Jolie Ginger Ale. I don't. I I think that's really honestly. Okay, so I've had I I I think I had this issue when I first started doing drag because there's so many other queens, especially when you start doing drag. There's so many other queens and performers that you can sort of compare yourself to. People that you are obviously doing great things and out in the clubs and the community. And so it's really easy to kind of compare yourself to those people. And I remember, I remember actually comparing myself to some of the Queens who, who were like the, the ones that inspired me. Who was me. big at your time? And I was about to say, um, look, the Queens that I really looked up to when I first, before I even moved to New York, 
I already knew who from Mistress Formica was. I knew who Misunderstood mm-hmm. was. I knew who Candace Kane, and at the time her name was Girl Lena. Now she's the popular DJ Lena. Uh, I knew who they were. Uh, and so uh, Flotilla DeBarge. Uh, so those were the queens that were really, obviously Lady Bunny. She's as ancient as they come. Uh, and those were the queens that um, were kind of really on my radar. When I moved to New York, I was surprised to work. Oh, and Amanda Lepore. And so when I moved mm-hmm. to New York, when I, those were the folks, the, the queens and the girls in the club scene that I really kind of connected with, who I knew about, who had a reputation. So when I got to New York City, I actually had the chance to work with many, every single one of those queens um, and girls, mm-hmm. and um, and some more than others, obviously. And I got to learn a lot from each of them. And in the beginning, I was really trying to like model, not model myself after them, but really, mm-hmm. you know, fit follow in their footsteps and learn from them and talk to them and get I remember like when I got my own I'm so embarrassed to say this but when I got my own I finally got my own show at Barracuda uh, which was the Monday night slot the coveted crown jewel at the time I don't know about now Uh, it was the crown jewel of the Barracuda lineup which was Monday night's it was the most difficult. Night I thought to- Monday, Monday. I thought Monday nights was Candace Kane's night because I used to work there as a cocktail waiter. So was it Monday night Candace Kane's night? It was. Wasn't okay. So when Candace Qu- Kane quit and left and moved to Los Angeles, oh, that's right. They offered the spot to me, and it was the okay. coveted night because it was. I think it was just um. Bef- there were a few other. Um, I think Shaquita hosted um the day the Gailey show. Uh, who else? Uh, Mona Foot, I think, also had a Monday night. Anyway, it was it was a hard Monday nights. Just is a hard night to do in the club for those that don't work in the club scene. It's not like a Friday or Saturday night where people are like crowding out the bars. It's a quiet night, obviously, and so it's it's a it's a it's not the easiest night to fill the show. Um, and so I remember writing to Candace and sort of asking her, you know, Candace, what is your advice? You know, I'm a I'm a new queen on the scene and. I'm so excited. I got my own show and it was your your night. Girl, she didn't write me back. <laughs> <laughs> well, if it was back in the day, you put it, probably put pen to paper. Uh, yeah, I probably flew a, a, a pigeon. <laughs> she didn't write me back. She didn't have no, 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 no. And I was like, oh, this bitch can't be bothered. And, you know, who knows? Maybe she never got the message. It doesn't really matter, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Never Maybe the pigeon the died halfway <laughs> through. I don't know. Um, but now we're we're she's um I got it we got a chance to go very full circle. I just have to say Candace she You and Candace Kane have gone far beyond Barracuda We've gone far beyond the Barracuda right? thing. Both of us have. She's um has the the history making uh distinction of ha- being the first trans woman to to uh be cast in a re- recurring role in a primetime television show, uh, which was Dirty Sexy Money. Um, anyway, uh, and she, for those of you, just to really bring it full circle, she was the guest judge the day I sent Cynthia Lee Fontaine packing on RuPaul's Drag Race in season nine, probably episode five she or six. She's a sad violin, son. Yeah. Um, and... Um, anyway, so that was Candace anyway. Kane, but she, she didn't write back. And so I was really kind of, I was really like, not sure what I was going to do. What, what's my show going to be? Should I try to kind of copy after her and follow in her footsteps? Should I do something completely different and risk no one wanting to come or being like, this ain't Candace, we're leaving. And so like, I, I was really kind of torn with that. But I think what ended up happening, which was the best thing, and I think it's going to be the best thing for anyone listening, and especially for you, is... To figure out what it is about your show, and this is a difficult, I know that this is kind of why you're asking, but figure out what it is about your show that is unique, and then kind of inflate that. Obviously, it's entertainment, you're a queen, Um, you know, it's not like you need to go and try to reinvent the wheel. If you're doing a drag show and you're lip syncing, be the best one you can be. Infuse something into your act that other queens aren't doing. That's the quickest way to sort of set yourself apart. And it's also the best way to sort of experiment with your act. Mm-hmm. You know, I remember, I remember Caswell, for, there was a moment in time where um, bet- me and C- I was basically kind of doing backup for you. And me and Coco um, Aviance were kind of the backup <laughs> girls. And you used to have us 
do fake powder cocaine, which was, I think, was it sugar or flour all over your face? I don't remember what it was, but it was, I hated it. (laughs) You didn't look like you hated it. You looked like you dipped your head into a donut. I know. I had a good time with you, but I remember thinking, oh, I probably won't work with flour in my act. Because that shit gets on the floor. It gets real slippery. That's what I'm... that's what it, yeah, it like it was like an ice capades. Um yeah. and so I just think to but but it was but it was it had an impact and it was memorable and it was what it was. And so like I'm just using that as an example to say, like, you know, sometimes we we do things, we experiment and we never do them again. I did one show where I had um where I got inside of a like a a, a balloon. I probably won't do that again because it's really, really tough to do, <laughs> you know. So th- I think experimenting with different things it's just par for the course you're in brooklyn you're in bushwick that's a really good safe space to be really um experimental with your artwork um and can set yourself apart and just you know d- just keep thinking about it before you can turn it into a business it has to be kind of a successful concept and so that's kind of what i think and and if all else fails put make sure your own personality your own sense of humor makes its way into your work that's what I would say. What about you, Caswell? Well, I, I think that a, a couple of things I want to say is that, mm-hmm. um, you know, it is important to go to other uh, queens drag shows and see what they're doing. But rather than pull inspiration from other queens or to even get in a competitive mind state with the queens that are doing the same thing at the moment, mm-hmm. dive into what the queens were doing like 20 years ago and see yes. how they what they pull their inspiration from. So look at movies like Wigstock or you can go on uh, YouTube and pull shit from like when Lady Bunny was hosting at the Pyramid days, back in uh-huh. the friggin' 40s and shit. And, Eight, and 1840s, like, that is. <laughs> so it like pull things from there. But the other thing is like I, I noticed that the queens, at least in New York, that are the most successful are the ones that have a real soul to what they do. And you can tell that they're having some type of spiritual connection to the moment they're on stage. Like, uh, like Sweetie, <clears throat> rest in peace who uh, she won the first queens that I saw her tear up the stage uh, back in the early 2000s when I moved to New York City. Uh-huh. Um, she was a big girl, but she would just do like, th- she would do these like slow emotional love songs, but she was just like so involved and dedicated to the song. Like you forgot she was lip syncing because she was just emoting uh-huh. so much energy. So I like, she would just go really in so if there's something so even if like you know you want to do an old Dolly Parton song or like mm-hmm. you know bring or mm-hmm. do it uh, like Amy Winehouse and something like I can kind of connect this to DJing I DJ on on Saturday nights at high tops and it's it's a it's a sports bar what i like about djing at a sports bar is you can get i can get away with playing songs that people love but they forgot that they loved it and then when they hear it they truly appreciate it even if it's some like dumbass song like like bossy from Lindsay lohan back from like 12 years ago that everyone was fagging out to back in the day (laughs) so then like just like things like that so if you do a song that no one would expect you to do so rather than doing the latest ariana grande song or the latest like megan the stallion song which are great too like pull something from way back be like oh yeah i love that song and they'll have an appreciation for it and just give it a new life can i add on to that really quickly with just what 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 you're talking about with music it's not even just like a creative thing it's good to kind of pull back like you're saying and get something that that people are nostalgic about it's also i think scientifically proven the music, the way the music is mixed and mastered these days, like currently pop music, mm-hmm. it just, mm-hmm. the the voices are meant to blend. You might not understand this if you're not like into music, but it's true. The people who create the music and make it, put it on the radio, basically bl- flatten the voice so that it basically sounds just like another instrument. It's kind of mixed in and mastered in so that it just blends in with all of the other sounds that you hear in the song and it goes really well together. It almost sounds like another instrument. Back in the day, especially the 70s and 80s, they didn't have the same technology. They weren't going for the same sound. The music sounded different. The vocals actually sat above, like right on Mm -hmm. top of the music Mm -hmm. mix. Which is how I prefer it too. That's how I prefer it too. And so then when you're listening to it, it punches through in just a different way. And that's the best music to perform and lip sync to because it hits right through, you know, 
immediately in it and it's almost like you're performing it live that's one of the reasons why sweetie's songs were so were so captivating not just her performance which was captivating but it was also the 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 choice of songs that she happened to do yeah and people people that pull things that you would never expect a drag queen to do like one time man i forgot her name but she Mm -hmm. was really big for like a hot three months in new york (laughs) which is like which is a long time but like she got up and she did she lip-synced when when whitney houston did the spot when this did the star-spangled banner i swear to god i looked around everyone was like crying and going crazy i mean i forgot her name i forgot her name Uh, what i forgot her name but she quit jeanette no not no, gen- I, yeah. you know what? You know what? I couldn't pull that out of the time capsule if I tried, but I, I remember that happened. So, like, just these, like, mm-hmm. random things that, that will spark a memory in people that they're not expecting. Those are the type of people you want to go back to, mm-hmm. you know? So, and also, like, pay attention to your crowd. You know, if, if, you're, if your crowd is, like, you know, in their late 30s and then you – so then you do, like, some – Madonna from the late 80s or the 90s then that crowd will really appreciate it and they'll come back for more so that's what's really going to pull your crowd back so do what you connect to and if you're in your if you're let's say you're a 40 year old drag queen I don't know how old you are like don't feel like you have to do Ariana Grande just because she's what's popping right now like pull what's really important to you because people really feel that and uh, one of the great things about going to a drag show is you learn about other generations of music or other ways to interpret music through drag so I hope that advice helped you. <laughs> I think it would have been helpful for me. <laughs> I want to spend time writing letters to Candace, who I love. Um, yeah, okay. So let let us know how that goes, and maybe you'll be taking over Monday nights at Barracuda now. And send us send us some free tickets to your drag show. Well, let um, us know, Miss Ginger Ale. <laughs> Do you want to do the next question? Yeah, sure. I think we helped. I think we helped her. I think we did. Okay, here we go. It's time for question number two. Cue Mosaic. Hey guys, I love your show and wanted to ask you a question from one artist to another. I'm a singer-songwriter and I've been dropping music on SoundCloud and I have a couple of singles on iTunes. Alright, let us know what it is. Uh, I produce independently. I do everything myself from producing the music on my laptop to mixing and recording in my home studio. I do a lot of pop songs and love songs, but I've been having severe writer's block for about five months now. I don't know how to get out of my own thoughts sometimes. It's gotten to the point that everything I write seems to sound the same to me and I keep going in circles. Can you guys tell me what you do when you're in a creative rut and how you break out of it? Signed, Gothi Mai Tai. So this question stuck out to me and I pulled, this is actually the first one that I pulled out. There was a couple things in here that I thought that could be tweaked in order to change your situation, Little Miss Gothi Mai Tai. And one of them is that you say that you do everything that yourself, everything yourself. And so you, you write it yourself, you record it yourself, you mix it yourself, you do everything in your home studio. And collaboration Collaboration one is really important. Like I don't really do anything just by myself. And there are songs that, you know, I come up with the concept myself and the concept of the beat myself and I know what I want from the beginning, but I'm always in constant communication with another creator when it comes to making the song happen. So I always have some type of back and forth with somebody. So if you can have some type of creative rapport with someone, and I know it's hard to reach out to someone or to ask for a partnership, especially mm-hmm. if you don't have any money and everyone's short on time, but it is really important to be able to have a back and forth situation with another creative person during the making of a song. And the mm-hmm. other thing I wanted to say was that um, I, I get creative block all the time and I read a really good book lately called Art and Fear and it talks about the inconsistencies of being an artist and how you know nothing like you, know, you might have this well one of them is you might have a, a great idea for a song one day and then don't have another great idea for a song that you're in love with for another two years but you just have to consistently keep dropping things and put them out even if you don't know if they're totally ready it's just really important to keep putting your music out there and that you never have the consistency of of everyone liking a song like i mean i definitely know what that's like like i'll drop like i just like i go through it in my head like let's say from like 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 okay like ice cream chuck like i dropped that and that fed me for a long time then i think i dropped like get my money back and that that did okay and that that kind of like kept it going and then i and then i dropped like i don't even fucking remember but 
or then it goes back to like I seen Beyonce Burger King. That was that was really good. And then after that, I dropped the song Tonight, and I didn't get booked at all. And oh then God, and then I just kept my fingers crossed. And then Ice Cream Chuck came out, and then this song, and this, so this totally ups and downs. Like no one's hot forever. No one always has a hot song, so you always have to constantly drop something. But the other thing that came to mind, a lot of came to my mind when I when I read this, I could definitely relate, is that it is important to to write every day and even if you're not writing a song like this is one exercise that really helps me especially when i do this whenever i'm going through a creative block i get up in the morning and like after i take care of my shit and have a coffee and walk my dog like just write for three pages nonstop even if you're just writing i don't know what to write i don't know what to write or like writing what you have to do it just get it just kind of like unclogs your brain so that you can get used to writing down a bunch of bullshit so that you're not afraid of writing bullshit because i think that's don't you think Pat, like that's where it comes from a lot because you just you always want to write it's something good so you're afraid to write it down it's if the it's judgment bad, you're, you're worst critics right yeah, something right, comes right. i mean i don't know um Gothi, I don't know your um, specific situation, but it is, I know you're saying that it's like you you are writing the same thing over and over again, but I think it's the judgment and the fear of that. And I don't really know. I mean, this is kind of might sound a little trite, but maybe there's something in that idea that like subconsciously you your your brain is telling you this is what I need, the idea I need to get out. And maybe it's just about like turning it around or looking at a different way. Continuing to write, I think is really good. I mean, I agree with everything you said. The um, the uh, collaboration piece, I think, is really, really big. And the pressure that I think we as music creators feel to sort of get to put out new th- albums and new things every single year, like Rihanna. Well, not Rihanna she now. She <laughs> um, It's because Rihanna's not writing all that music. You know, like, she's mm. not. She's singing it. She's mm. a singer. And so right. it's it's like a model. The model will be in a, every fashion show this year. You know, every she'll be in a different fashion show every day this week during fashion week if she needs to or if he needs to because the designer's giving them the, the clothes. Each designer spent week, days, weeks, months making each of those pieces of clothing. If the model had right. to make all that clothing, they would be naked. <laughs> and so... <laughs> But I know that's a little different, you know, but I'm just saying, so don't, when we look up to the people that we're looking to, look to the writers, look to actual songwriters and see what their flow is. Like, they're they're not necessarily releasing hit songs every single month. Um, no. And so I think, I think just in terms of taking the pressure off yourself, looking more into the music industry, there's so much that goes into the products that are on the shelf or on the, on the download thing that we see. And so, <laughs> I sound like an old lady. Um, and so, and so don't like cut yourself some slack. It's been, Caswell just named a whole bunch of stuff. I haven't, I haven't released a whole album. I did an EP a couple (sighs) of years ago. I haven't released an entire album in 10 years, like one full length album. Um, that's a whole different story, but I mean, and so, you know, I, I do think that finding that inspiration can come from your experiences and bouncing back between metaphorically writing and writing straight for in a straightforward way helps me. Like t- when I'm when I'm feeling like I'm having a little bit of writer's block and not being able to find metaphors or things that like you know um, v- like visuals to write about, then I'll go back to just writing literally about like I f- I fell down and hurt my knee, whatever like something really 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 straightforward. Mm-hmm. That was a little mm-hmm. um, <laughs> I did not <laughs> falling down and hurting my knee. But, you know, something that's really, really straightforward. And that actually ends up, ended up being some of the stuff that was the most truthful and honest, um, mm. you know, from my perspective. So, yeah, you know, it's, it's, writer's block is a part of the writing process. It just and, is. And like part, part of, back to what you were saying about like the judgment, the best songs that I've ever written and the songs that I feel like have made the most impact on other people are the songs that when I write them, I really didn't give a shit what anybody thought. Like I really did not care. Like quick, like I, I feel like I've told this story a hundred times before, but when I wrote Ice Cream Chuck, I wrote that song, like I wrote that song for my friend's movie that was gonna it was gonna be in and the, the song was gonna be in it wasn't gonna be a single it wasn't gonna be in a video it was literally gonna be in the background of a scene for 10 seconds I'm a whole and my friend was like I kept giving him songs I already had and he's like no do something new you know do something new please and I was like uh, and I remember I was in the studio we just ate we're having a Chinese food hangover I have 45 minutes before I have to catch the bus and then my friend literally said 
J.B. Goodman Jr., who did the movie Spork, it was in the movie Spork, he's like, he's like, just make it really cute and adolescent and catchy, just like, just like something you would sing to the ice cream chuck. I'm like, okay, let's do a song called Ice Cream Chuck. And I like literally wrote it. I mean, he probably tell I wrote it in like 10 minutes. <laughs> I mean, it's not that deep. And then I just recorded it really quick. He did it, put a drum beat under it, threw it together. And then we weren't, I wasn't going to do anything with that song. And then, you know, it was June. And then my manager was like, you know, you don't have any other summer song. Why don't you just grab a bunch of friends, jump in front of an ice cream truck and, truck and make a quick video. I'm like, all right. And then it just kind of like happened. Like I didn't give a shit, but if I was given a shit, I, I would have been like, oh man, I can't, what am I doing this song for? Oh my God, like, the pressure just, to, to write. This song is so stupid. Like I, people aren't going to take me seriously with it. Like I would have gotten in my head; it never would have come out. And Especially so, if you would have ha- known that if you would have like had a, a goal for that impact. Like I'm going to write exactly. a viral song. You can't. Right. <laughs> it wouldn't have happened. So the 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 songs that do go viral, because when it comes to music, ninety percent of the time. Your listeners don't really want to think; they just want to feel it, you know. So when mm-hmm. when I'm DJing and I throw something on the floor, you, they don't want to they don't want to hear anything like deep and introspective. They want to hear; they just want to feel it and and go off and and go crazy on the dance floor. Like they don't really care about anything else but how it's going to make them feel. So one of the exercises that actually truly works for me, and I notice this is it's a lot easier for me to write run when I'm writing for somebody else because. My my voice isn't on it. My name's not going to be on it. So these songs that I write for other people always end up being a lot more catchier than songs that'll be harder on myself when I write. So why don't you just write, quote unquote, for like some other people and then take those songs and use them for yourself? Because like, it like okay, like another example, like uh, the first thing that comes to my mind is like when Madonna wrote Vogue. Like this is why Madonna has hit songs, in my belief anyway, is because she doesn't write from the perspective of doing something autobiographical in the majority of her songs. At least she never used to. Now she kind of does. But at the time, she was just, it was all about, is it a good song? You know, is this are, are the kids gonna like this? Like, is this is this a good song? Like, is this something that people actually want to listen to? And so, so she when she was doing like Vogue, she wasn't thinking about oh, am I like raping the gay community by taking a culture that belongs to black and gay? <laughs> I'm not sure she's ever you know, thought so. about that. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But the whole thing about it is that she didn't let that get in her way of doing a, a song that hit number one and was like one on Billboard for like seven weeks or some shit. So I'm saying it's like, don't give a shit because music is truly not supposed to have any boundaries. So you have to get have a I don't give a fuck attitude when you're doing music. I don't give a fuck. I don't give and a fuck. And that's how I feel. All right. Well, uh, Gothi Mai Tai, you got to let us know. Write us a letter. <laughs> when you when you are, when you are ready, <laughs> but for they the never mouth, back. it's time to move on to question number three. Cue the music. Hey Kaz, hey Pep, I love your show, but honestly admire you both because of what you have done musically. I've seen you both perform, and you're both great live. I don't know if you'll have insight into my problem, but I'm going to give it a shot. I'm a gay guy just out of college living in Austin, Texas, and I recently started a gay rap group with two of my friends from school. Everything seemed amazing when we first started, and we had brilliant ideas, and we were really feeling ourselves when we got into the studio and we had a couple gigs at local clubs. But now I'm already at the point in the game that we have very different that I notice we have very different views on the direction of the group. I want to have fun and make cute bops. For the group. One of the other members wants to go very serious and political with the direction of our songs, and then the other rapper seems to not take it seriously at all, never has any concept, concepts or ideas, and just seems to be in it for the ride. I feel a little bit like the ringleader because I was in charge of its conception and we record at my place. Do you have any ideas of how I can get us all on the same page? Signed. Signed. <laughs> Signed Jasmine Masters Incredible Hulk. That's a horrible name. <laughs> you have to explain what it is. The Incredible what is Hulk. An Incredible Hulk. An Incredible mm-hmm. Hulk is a drink with Hennessy and Blue Alize. Yuck. But you know okay. what? They drank it. What well, what? And where they is drank it? Now? it and it where is she now? <laughs> Who? Jasmine Masters? Incredible Hulk. No, uh, not Jasmine Masters. She's she got a she got a, a YouTube award um, for for the for get for um for best gif of the year. God, I went anyway. To, I went to sleep listening to Jasmine Masters YouTube, and I was having Tonight? dreams. And every fucking thirty seconds in my dream, I was like, "I am Jasmine Masters, and I have something to say." 
<laughs> that's, that's, and I yeah, had a dream yeah. that she was my roommate, and she kept saying that. I'm like, bitch, I get it. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> um, I like tweeted about that. And she does say it all the time. I love Trust her. Me. I love her. She's so fierce. Anyway, Jasmine Masters. Uh, this is a tough thing. I mean, this is this is what I fantasize the breakup of like Destiny's Child was like really about. You know what I mean? You mean when um, they were three or four? When they were four going to three, or when they were three going to four, I don't know, whatever, whatever iteration they were. Um, both times, all the times. Uh, and I think creative differences with your with your compa- your partners and companions is the I think it's a the number one the number two reason that groups can can either break up or feel like it's time to move on. Um, first is definitely money, um, but I think I think one of the things that might work and and I'm just gonna be real quick about this because I've never been in a rap group and Caswell has, um, but I would Take think and I would well I I. I have been in groups before and I am a bit of a politician when it comes to making sure that everybody's happy. So what I would probably do is say, okay, ladies, no matter what we do, or ladies and gents or whoever's in the group, no matter what we do, we have to, whatever we put together, whatever we put out, our video, our song, our performance needs to be, it's only going to be 100% if we're all in it, right? Like we can't be like chilling on the side, like we're not into it. And so knowing that, I will commit 100% to whatever project or direction y'all want to do for this. If y'all commit 100% to whatever the ideas that we were talking about for the other thing is. So if it's the fun bop stuff where we're just like, do, 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 and nothing serious or too deep, then let's do that like it's the best nothing serious too deep album we can ever do. And then if we want to have like our, this is our, our deep side album then we do that and i'll jump in a hundred percent and give it all i can i think that's the only way to like to let them know that you you, there's no reason why you can't as musicians do different things you don't have to just pick one route and stay on it forever you know and so that's kind of i think that's probably what i would do is just like try to compromise and be like let's do it all and we have to focus on this now and i promise you we will focus on that in the next one and actually follow through and do it and be a champion on that. Like when you do the, the thing that you didn't want to do. That's what I would say. I think your advice is very Fleetwood Mac of you. <laughs> it reminds me Suck of the Fleetwood the Mac about the music because they were like, okay, well, Steve was like, I'll write this song and we all do this. And then the other lady, I forgot her name. Someone's going to slap me in the face. It's like, uh, uh, Steve uh, McVie, what's her first, what's her name? The other lady. Steven, wait, Fleetwood Mac? Yeah. Steven Nicks. And who's the other lady? Anyway, then she would do it this way because they were f- there were four songwriters and they all they all wanted their way. I saw the VH1 behind the music, but I oh, I, I know where you're coming from with that. But the reason I think there's difficulties is because you 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 lose you lose the idea of what the concept Christine of the McVie. group is to Christine McVie. So you lose the idea of what the concept of the group is if you do that kind of. So let me just explain. So if you want to do fun bops that sound like fun bops and then the other the uh the other queen wants to do like you know really political songs then when you guys get together and do a live show you're going to be giving off different energies and people don't necessarily they want to go for whatever time you're going to have not like half the show is going to be fun half the show is going to be political but the good side is that if you can combine both of that and make it fun and political, then you could actually have a, a new kind of sound and a new kind of energy on stage. That That's what I meant. To. Right. Okay. Well, I wasn't necessarily dogging what, mm. what you were saying, but well, a little bit, but I was saying that it's when you come into threes, like there's too much going on. So I think that the first thing I'll need to do is sit down and be like, okay, what kind of, what kind of group are we? Like, are we like this or are we like that? Like, let's make a decision and let's stick to it so we can be cohesive. But the other thing that I want to say, which goes back to the question number two, is it seemed like the reason you guys did it right in the first place, because when you first jumped in the studio, you didn't think you were going to have any gigs. You didn't think anyone was going to give a fuck. And that's why you just had a really good time and, and, and came up with these great songs that you said that you had at first is because mm-hmm. nobody really cared. So that energy that you had when you first went into the studio, you kind of need to tap into that again so that so because you know what yeah you like music is used to convey a message and yeah music can probably solve 
every problem on the planet if we let it. But at the same time, it's not supposed to be taken like super seriously. I mean, you're a gay rap group. So, I mean, it is what it is. Like, I mean, I mean, I guess I want to take that back. It doesn't mean that I you disagree. Can be a- now, that's that's really reductive to say that about like the, you know, you, you, I, you I'm a drag queen making music, but I'm making music that really speak like nobody's going to tell me that this latest stuff, um, the stuff that I'm writing right now mm-hmm. shouldn't be released because it's about the tra- the murder of transgender women. And that's nothing that people want to hear about. It's something that people need to hear about. And it's something that I feel really connected to. And I think part of the problem is do where, I, where I think you go wrong as a group or a rap group or a whoever as an artist is doing things that you can't really put yourself in and commit to. Like Madonna, you said she was writing a song about somebody else, but she was able to really become that when right. she when she does it. And we believe it. You know what I mean? We believe it. And I think people will listen to serious music. Honey, political Public Enemy was the most political group out there. People believed what right. Public Enemy was selling That's true. because they were in it. And and you can talk about Anything that ha- in music, people, there is an audience out there for it. I do think that, like, as a gay rap group, it's important to know what your base is and stick and and work and know what, know always know how to get back to that. Mm-hmm. But I think you can write about any subject as long as you are like people believe it, and people are going to believe it if you are really, really kind of committed. That's so that's I mean. see. I mean, I, I I can take back a little bit of what I said because I do agree with you, but I, I don't think that you have to be one extreme or the other or the other. Like, if you don't, okay, pu- public enemy is a pu- not that not that this, the people listening necessarily know who it's Google. No, it. public public enemy. Okay, Google it because public enemy yeah had Chuck D who was like very militant, strong uh, black man's voice that commanded your attention. Yet at the same time, they had Flavor Flav who was like mm-hmm. like you know war war clock and was like the comic relief of it. So what I'm trying to say is. You can mm-hmm. find a balance so you can create both. Like you you can be political and you can have a strong message, which is something mm-hmm. we really need right now. And I, I would love to see mm-hmm. even more of that from gay rappers especially. But I would love to see that. But then you can have the comic relief of – I don't. I don't know what your group Somebody. looks like, but the, but if you're the one that does the fun bops and has like the the sense of humor that can really bring that to the stage, then you can combine it and it can still work. You know, so mm-hmm. I think that you guys should really talk about what you want to do and what your vision is, because if you have a clear vision of who you are, then the audience will have a clear vision of who you are, and you will make that connection, and that's what will make you a success. That's my belief, anyway. So I think that you know, sit down and be like, okay. Who are we? What's our name? What does that mean? You know what I mean? I, I want to know your name, name but I want to know. So shoot name. me a DM because I want to look out for you guys. And um, <laughs> yeah, I think I think that I think that you can make it happen. I think that you just need to get on the same page of who you are. But I I, I would recommend making songs with a, a consistent sound, even if the message regardless can of be the different. Matter. Regardless mm-hmm. of this, so 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 like okay, so. You, so that's what I loved about Public Enemy was they could take a, a serious subject matter and still make it funny and and, and just how blatant they were. Like nine one one is a joke. Is nine one one is the perfect nine one one is a joke. Is my nine one one is the perfect Public Enemy song that 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 highlights that because it was straight Hands to the point. Down. It was so straight the to beat the point. Was hard. It was the so beat real. Was hard. It was, it was yeah. It was fucking hard, but then you had, but the, you know, you had, you had, um, Flavor Flav? Yeah, you had Flavor Flav, like doing his Flavor Flav shit, but it was still like really hard, but still, like, I don't want to say comical, but it took it to another level. It was like level. satirical. It was more satirical. Yeah, 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 than, yeah, yeah. Than yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, but, but at the same time, you could be Flavor Flav for Halloween. You know what I mean? So I mean, I guess you could be Chuck D for Halloween too, but maybe they wouldn't recognize you. But like, you know, they they be they'd be like, call the cops. There's Batman outside. <laughs> and that's the truth. God, that's yeah. So art. I mean, imitating life, imitating art. So I, I, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna leave this with get down with your gay history and your rap history and just look how uh, how other other rappers pulled it together public enemy is a perfect example of being able mm-hmm. to combine so you know what i'm really glad we brought up public enemy because i'm the, really know, glad we did i'm too. really glad that was a really great example you <laughs> brought that first. On, we, thank you yeah <laughs> that was a really good example because they 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 are a group that seriously combined humor with political movement and did it successfully mm-hmm. so i say 
Go to your public enemy's greatest hits. Listen to 911 as a joke. Fight the power. Pull some other tracks from 1991. Get that <laughs> shit bopping. You know, and sit down. And you know, one other thing that you could really do, I'll just give one more thing, is y'all should sit down and listen to music together, which doesn't happen enough in groups, and talk about, mm-hmm. oh, I like this sound. I like that. I like that message. I like the way he does that. And like pull your inspirations and like learn. You might not totally know exactly what. Um, the members in your group of feeling you could really uh, you could really pull aspects from other music that you agree on and then that's a beautiful thing when you get together that that you know it goes back to the uh, it goes back to the first or second question when it's like that's why it's so important to have to collaborate with someone so there's a back and forth and you introduce each other to new music and oh this sound or I wouldn't heard that and you know I was just I was just um, writing and producing an, an album uh, with somebody like three years ago when we we're just like pulling up like all this uh, Roy's and Murphy and like old uh older like mm-hmm. robin and sylvester and just like oh i like this sound like early this. 2000s and, dance yeah and and that type of shit so it's like it's so important to have someone to have a back and forth with when you collaborate and if you think if you think you can't do that because you got to do it all by yourself and you're stubborn you chance out your music isn't going to come out as fast if it comes out at all so it's really important to have a collaborator and someone that you can have a back and forth with uh agreed um yeah i think that is Speaking of creative blocks, I think that is probably some of the best advice that we've heard, and we should heed, and we really hope that you all get over your creative blocks. Make sure you can, you write into us and, you know, update us on everything. Um, For now, that is the show. That is Uh, the show. For those of you that were listening, please, please, please make sure you write into us. Caswell, how can they do that? Well, you know, Pep, I've been thinking, and I know exactly how they can do this. Well... (laughs) Excuse me. If you go to our (laughs) Instagram, please follow us. And there is an email button there on the uh, our Instagram is um, it's a mess podcast and email us from our Instagram or you can email us at askkazandpep at gmail.com. Also, follow us on Twitter, which is at it's a mess podcast. And uh, let us know what you think of the show. Let us know if you have any questions, comments, bullshit like that. And um, <laughs> But definitely hit us up with your calamities and give us the details. Let us know your name, your age, anything that pertains to your situation. We want to know. Gender identity. Details really help. Gender identity. Where you're from. You single. All that shit. Your number. <laughs> uh, and as usual, of course... Faces, places, and names have been changed to protect the innocent and the guilty. (laughs) For now, that is the show. Thanks for tuning in, and we will see you next time. Love you, baby. Bye. Forever (laughs) Dog. This has been a Forever Dog production. Executive produced by Brett Boehm, Joe Cilio, and Alex Ramsey. For more original podcasts, please visit foreverdogpodcast.com and subscribe to our shows on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Keep up with the latest Forever Dog news by following us on Twitter and Instagram at Forever Dog Team and liking our page on Facebook. Pew, pew, pew.